Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today's episode is sponsored by Yext Answers. If there's one thing this year has taught us, is that your website is your only pandemic-proof asset, but not if it's broken. You see, most websites have all the form, but lack a very critical function, search. There's either no way to search, or if there is, the experience is so bad that you can't even get answers to basic questions. If this sounds like your website, Yext Answers can help. Yext Answers offers a best-in-class search engine to your website so your customers can get an official answer to every question. That means more transactions and fewer expensive calls to customer service. You can try Yext Answers for free. Just go to yext.co.uk forward slash eat sleep. That's yext, Y-E-X-T, .co.uk forward slash eat sleep to learn more about how Yext Answers can help your website be your greatest asset. Hello, this is Eat Sleep Worker Pete. It's a podcast about making work better. I'm Bruce Aisley. Thank you for listening. It's uh, I've had a fabulous response to last week's episode. Last week's episode was an interview with Chris Haywood, who was, I think, just gave such an incredible first-hand account of how he found himself going from what was, to a large extent, a dream career, and then finding himself through unforeseen circumstances, finding himself contemplating ending his life. And he'd got in touch with me I think to to share his story, I think he's been overwhelmed with the response. He he, he emailed me in the week saying just um, he was swept away with it. And I know he's not on Twitter, but I know that he was replying to a lot of people who were wishing him well on LinkedIn. I also know that inside the industry he's in, the advertising industry, there's an organisation called NABS. And I think he's, he's offering to provide first-hand um, conversations to people who who are affected with the the same themes. So, uh, NABS N A B S. If you are affected by those themes and want to get in touch, I think Chris is doing that. So, wonderful response. All of the themes that are covering the podcast are covered in the newsletter, and the best way you can get a hold of that is to go to the website, which is eatsleepworkrepeat.com. And I, I give you a regular update, normally on Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening occasionally. Um, and I cover the themes that we're discussing today. 
Today's episode is much lighter in tone, but it's a really rare and intriguing opportunity to get a different perspective into a world of work that we often don't necessarily give a lot of consideration to. During the summer, someone at GCHQ got in touch with me and asked whether I'd be interested in getting an insight into the modern world of intelligence and spying. And I've been very fortunate that since I've been doing this podcast, I've been invited to MI5. I think I discussed it. I met a spy on a traffic island when I went to MI5. Uh, I've been to MI6 and I've been inside the SAS. So I was delighted to go inside GCHQ. GCHQ stands for Government Communication Headquarters. It's never known as that, really. It was created in 1919, just after the First World War, as a way to gather intelligence to support the government and to support the the military. We're going to go through the the objectives, the mission of of GCHQ um, in my discussion here. But they were sort of done to, I guess, assist the fact that conflict and and engagement with your adversaries around around the world is no longer as linear as it used to be and so having intelligence helps assist in that i think it's an incredibly rare thing i was allowed inside gchq and uh, i got the opportunity to to interview someone and obviously the intelligence service historically was very uh, secret increasingly they're putting on a, a public face and I was I was given the opportunity to talk to one of the few people inside GCHQ who's allowed to be named externally so I met Joe Cavan Joe's the director for strategy policy and communications at GCHQ GCHQ has always had a unique culture, harking back to its its old site at Bletchley Park where deliberately everyone worked in huts so different teams didn't know what everyone else was working on to maintain secrecy I think one of the reasons why they're intrigued in trying to show more of what they're doing is that they're on an intense program of recruitment and trying to to build more diversity into the organization the the history of gchq has actually been quite a diverse organization the code breakers who worked at bletchley park uh, originally in the second world war were credited with ending the second world war two years early and you may well know that the code breakers were were very strongly sort of skewed towards women employees and and they've kept that spirit of diversity i guess when a lot of us think of the intelligence service you might immediately think of public school white men and i think gchq are very focused on making sure that if that ever was to any extent their reputation they're moving and trying to hire different people so one of the ways that they're doing that is by getting out in podcasts like this and and sharing their story in a compelling way with different audiences diversity is a big theme for them they've got a large number of affinity networks as you'd expect into groups like people with disabilities and the LGBT community. But they're also very hot on neurodiversity. That's anything from mild dyslexia to autism. There's there's a big focus on that because there's a belief that those perceived weaknesses can actually be a strength when it comes to intelligence work. So like I say, very different theme today. What a unique opportunity to get inside and see in a time when a lot of us are trying to work out how our organisation can handle confidential material outside of the office, how can we deal with things that we regarded as essentially office-bound before? I was really intrigued with how they would answer those questions. I think more than anything, you're going to discover it's just a very entertaining lesson. Joe Cavan, the director of 
at GCHQ. I'm not really able to give much more of a biography of what she gives herself, so I'll let her introduce herself. But here's my interview when I went inside GCHQ. The interview today was recorded just before we went into the new lockdown. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I wonder if you could introduce yourself and, and say what you do. Of course. Well, uh, my name's Joe Cavan and I'm a director at GCHQ, which is the government communications headquarters. And we're one of uh, the three intelligence agencies in the UK. Now, it's an interesting thing. The, the, the Joshua met and the, the people along the way, most of them haven't been able to give me their second name. But you are. So what's the difference? That's absolutely right. So a lot of the people that work for us um, still keep their identity secret. um, And that's really important. So there's actually only a small number of staff who are kind of publicly avowed who can um, talk about themselves in a bit more detail and and give their surnames. So does that mean if I came to work here and I have to give up my Instagram account, my Twitter account, am I allowed to have an internet identity as well as working here? Well, you can have an internet identity and you just do need to be a bit careful about your privacy settings and just a bit mindful about, you know, how how you use those accounts. Right. Okay. How did you how did you get a job here? So I had a quite a a weird route in. So I, I kind of worked in the police for a bit and then I worked as an engineer in forensic telecommunications and then I worked for a watchdog where I actually oversaw the intelligence agencies okay. and police, so kind of watching the watchers if you like. Um, and then I came into GCHQ about three or four years ago. Um, and I think the interesting thing for me is I've spent the last kind of 15 years um, telling my friends and family that I'm not a spy right. because they kind of thought I was. Um, and so I've been kind of denying that for 15 years. And then all of a sudden I end up working at GCHQ. And, right. You know, so then I kind of am. And- Hang on. So you tell yourself quietly when you're just on your own, you do look in the mirror and say, I'm a spy. Well, you know, that's kind of how people see right. us generally. And, <laughs> you know, as being, you know, our partners, MI5 and MI6. I did a talk down at MI5 and um, and I couldn't directly find where the place was because it wasn't specifically on the map but the guy gave me a place to meet him and I met him on a traffic island and uh, and he said oh thanks you know I came out and I said I was just delighted a rendezvous with a spy on a traffic island pretty much I've ticked off a life goal and then one of his colleagues said he's not a spy <laughs> and so I just wondered if there was sort of a hierarchy where you're allowed to call yourself a spy Oh, I think it, it really differs you depending just on it. the individual. But yeah, I think most of the public would see the intelligence agencies right. as being spies, even if some of our people don't identify with that themselves. Explain to me what GCHQ does, because sort of it's this august title and, you know, how did it start? What does it do? So GCHQ is a, is a world leading intelligence, cyber and security agency. Um, so we started about 100 years ago. We actually had our 100th birthday last year um, so just before uh, World War One what were they doing in World War One how can you so, do intelligence in World War One they were intercepting communications right. in a way that we still do today um, and they were you know trying to um, break codes from our enemies right. and adversaries um, and then through to kind of World War Two, where um, you will have probably heard about the work we did at Bletchley Park breaking the um, German Enigma codes so we've always had a big part to play in intercepting communications, code breaking, as well as kind of protecting government and military communications. The job must be very different now, though, to 
even in the Bletchley Park days. I mean, like in the Bletchley Park days, you knew specifically who your enemy were because they sort of put up a banner saying we're your enemy. But now the sort of the enemies must be far more diverse and and not willing to reveal themselves. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot has changed, you know, and we have evolved and kind of reimagined ourselves as an organization. Um, if you think about the technology now, um, technology is in everyone's lives, the way that businesses work, etc. So it's still all about the technology, but the threats are changing and emerging and diversifying, as you've said. But still at our core, we're looking at nation state threats. We're looking at threats from terrorism. We're also helping to support serious crime operations and the most public facing area of our work now is all to do with cybersecurity because right. of the, the kind of digital world that we live in so it's about us actually advising citizens through our cyber aware campaign or advising businesses on how to stay safe online right how much of your resource would be in that what percentage of the organizations focus on that so it's quite a, a large area of our business and there are kind of really open elements of that as well as the more secret elements. But yes, we're doing more and more work every day on kind of emerging technology threats. And we're finding that also the government's really looking to us on things like how to kind of use artificial intelligence and machine learning responsibly and ethically, how to kind of make best use of big data. So we're big part of our role is being that technical authority and, and focusing on cybersecurity. In the run-up to this, I chatted to one of your colleagues, Paul, and he sort of gave me a sense of how important legal governance is and staying within the, the confines of the law and sort of being compliant. And I just wonder, if we're up against, like, some ad- adversaries who have just got, like, a bare-knuckle approach to just getting down and dirty and just doing the doing as much harm as they can on us are we just too nice to are we creating an organization we're just too nice to beat the likes of the russians the iranians the chinese because we're going to do all it all politely the gru aren't going to do it nicely are they so i mean you're you're right in in talking about how we take our power you know we we're really serious about how we use our powers. You know, we have the most incredible powers and capabilities, and it's so important that we use those responsibly. Um, that doesn't mean we're being nice, but that means we work within a kind of really clearly defined legal framework. Um, and one of our key values as an organization is integrity, and that's all about making sure that we follow the rules, the rule of law, um, and the, the policies, and we make sure that we're acting ethically as an organization. And I think actually that's what sets us apart from our adversaries so it's like the michelle obama they go low we go high (laughs) if you like right okay good pr answer okay so i mean i'm intrigued then so how if you've sort of got to recruit people like that who who do you bring in to do a job like that who who what does the profile look like let's start actually what's the profile of the organization look like today so we need a range of individuals with you know, a variety of different skills. So traditionally, people might have thought of GCHQ as being all about top mathematicians and you know, computer scientists. And yes, please, we still want those people. So we're always looking to attract more mathematicians and computer scientists. But we also have a range of roles across in IT, in engineering. We have intelligence analysts. We have linguists. Our linguists can actually speak over 40 different languages between them 
And also, like any other large organization, we need good HR people, good finance people, good legal people. But what do they look like today? Are they all men and white? Well, no, they're not at all. I mean, since uh, from our very... What percentage, what percentage white is it? Oh, gosh, I haven't got the figures off right. the top of my head. But, I mean, what I will talk about is that, you know, we really value diversity and diversity of thought in particular. Right. Um, so we are quite... God, a- that's the Matt Hancock line. But that's just, that's a get-out-of-jail card, isn't it? That's when you haven't recruited any minorities. You say diversity of thought is the solution. Well, no, I mean, I'll come on to ethnic minorities because, you know, it is a really important part of our strategy going forward because we do need to recruit more individuals from ethnic minority backgrounds. Um, And there's lots of things that we're doing to try and increase those numbers. We're also trying to do more to bring more women in in technology roles and also to make sure that we have more senior women in the organization but actually if you look at our history we've always really valued diversity and if you look at some of the kind of wicked well if you look at some of the wicked problems and challenges that we have to solve we've always known and understood that if you bring a mix of minds and different perspectives to those problems and challenges you can solve them Um, I mean I can't talk about anything we're doing today obviously and and the kind of top secret stuff but if you think just back to what we were talking about earlier in Bletchley Park and some of the code breaking you know 90% of the people that worked at Bletchley Park were actually women right um, so we've always valued that diversity and those different mindsets. We've got quite a large number of um, neurodiverse individuals in the organisation because some of the skills that neurodiverse individuals have are absolutely crucial to so our So specifically, missions. what do you mean, and how do you recruit them? So it might. So we have. We've got great networks in the organisation. We've looked at our recruitment processes to make sure that we can attract those individuals and pull them through all parts of the process and made adjustments to help them help with the process. And we kind of share stories on our website and Instagram accounts, etc. But what we find is that people who can who want to solve problems, who can see patterns and make links and connections, uh, is is just really crucial part right. of us being successful in our mission. Right, but got on the neurodiversity, what, is it, what autistic people? What are, yeah, right. um, p- people who are autistic, people who are dyslexic or dyspraxic. Right. If you actually look at our apprenticeship schemes that we run, our apprentices are three to four times more likely to be neurodiverse right. than other apprenticeship schemes. Job must be very difficult now because like, you, you've got this range of different adversaries and you know internally externally sort of anywhere there's a computer connection right so like it's it's sort of uh immensely complex and so i guess you know different languages is a biggest bigger need probably than than ever before or a range of languages how do you set about trying to recruit into different communities how do you recruit into polish british people or you know asian british people how do you recruit into those those places so it's about outreaching to those communities. We do a lot of work with social enterprise organisations. We do. What um, do you mean, though? I want so specifics. We work, really. So we work with schools, for example. Okay. We run courses. If you look at our uh, Manchester office, which we've recently opened, um, we're doing a lot of outreach with schools and the universities there. Um, I don't get why for the Manchester office. In one of the articles about it, it says it's run by Simon. And you don't think this sort of shroud of secrecy makes it feel undemocratic? Shouldn't organisations be 
public? Shouldn't we have the sense? So the, the thing about Simon is that Simon wasn't given a second name. And, but it feels undemocratic to me. It feels like the Stasi to me that, you know, we're not allowed to have these, these full identities of individuals. What's the reasoning behind that? If we're a democratic state, why can't I know who Simon is? So I suppose I would say, you know, really on that, it's about protecting the identity of some of our staff who have done operational Tell roles in the past or who might do operational roles in the future. Right. So we're always cognizant to make sure, A, the people that we put out there publicly and avow are comfortable with that right. themselves and they're not likely to go and do kind of covert or secret type work in the future. Edward Snowden said that GCSHQ ran a mass process of surveillance. Has someone read my emails? So I doubt very much that anyone has been reading your emails, Bruce. Um, So I I think, you know, the the Edward Snowden revelations were, you know, an interesting time for the organisation. And we've had a number of kind of litigation since then, which has really shown that, you know, at all times GCHQ operated in accordance with the law but the laws were outdated and they needed you know with the amount of technology change the law got more lenient afterwards didn't it the, the law needed to be updated so we've very recently had new laws that govern our powers which have much more stringent um, safeguards and processes particularly around the use of bulk data and we were already on a a, a transparency and openness um, journey ourselves because it's really important for us that the public a understand what we do because we're here to serve the public and to justify their trust and that's really important for our license to operate as an organization but it's also really important for us so that we can attract the next generation of brilliant recruits to come and work with us. How do you find those people? Like, you know, that hacker who got done in America and was, was on a charge, he seems like the sort of person I'd want to... Do you know that guy who was sort of... He was done for, for some historical association with ransomware and he was charged... Seems like the sort of person you should be recruiting. He, he going, you know, I want us to be hiring some badass hackers. How are we going to get these badass hackers in? So one of the great things about working for our organisation is that you can hack lawfully. Right. Okay. You know, in in line with uh, the laws that govern our work. So, right. So you know we do recruit a lot of hackers. Um, we call it computer network exploitation. Okay. Um, not hacking, but but yeah, absolutely, people with those skills. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, but that would only be one of the many skills that you, you need to, to bring in. Yeah. If I, if I meet someone who works at GCHQ, what will they tell me they do for a living? Uh, the reason why I ask you is that uh, someone once told me that if someone works for MI6, then if someone asks them, they'll say they work at the Foreign Office. And I met a bloke at a party and I said, what do you do? And he said, I work at the Foreign Office. And I said, ah, MI6. And he was, he was a bit confused and dumbfounded by it. If I meet someone who works at GCHQ, what are they going to tell me they do for a living? So it really depends uh, on what their role is. So as you know, in our National Cybersecurity Centre, that's all about reaching out to industry and directly to the citizen, providing advice and guidance on cybersecurity. So so those people um, are out every day, you know, talking to organisations and companies. So, you know, we'll generally be more be able to be more open about what they're doing right. whereas other um, individuals who work for us might not feel comfortable with that or able to do that but you know at our heart we are you know we are civil servants right 
The one of the things that you, you always see sort of the as the intelligence services trying to go through this transition of being a bit more outwardly focused is that you occasionally see these ads that are out, either out in social media or they're out in newspapers, which are like little puzzles to solve and things like that. But that must attract a certain profile of candidate. You know, there, there must be, I can just, you know, those people you, you looked over in the old days and they were doing a Sudoku on the train, doing the Times crossway. Like, there's, there's a certain profile of people doing that. Does that, does that, is that your experience that certain ads attract certain people? I mean, we're always looking um, and how we can kind of target um, our campaigns to the types of individuals that we're interested in recruiting. That was part of the reason we um, opened our Twitter account and we more recently opened our account on Instagram because right. we were looking to reach out to more, um, you know, y- young women and Instagrams are really people good apply tool for that. For um, so people get to know about us, um, get involved in some of our kind of competitions or puzzles and then might apply right. online for some of our roles or join our, some of our summer schools, which we were doing virtually this year due to due to COVID. Um, so we're always looking to attract the best talent and test new ways of reaching different audiences. So one of the challenges that we've all had this year is like the lockdown has sort of been this strange disruption to work. And most definitely, you know, one of the things that a lot of businesses have empathised with is that do we allow private information to go into people's households? Because that was, the, you know, whether it's call centres or whether it's... And that must be a challenge for you. How do you, how do you manage... What lessons can other companies learn from you? How do you manage the protection of secret information... Because every laptop must be a potential security risk, right? How do you manage the security of information when people might not be on site all the time now? Yeah, so I mean, it's a really good question. And like other businesses, you know, we were kind of challenged overnight when the lockdown measures came in in March. So I suppose the first thing to say is that we're key workers here at GCHQ. And, you know, there is top secret work that we do, which we couldn't do from home and which needs to still be done in in one of our offices. So, you know, from the start, we made sure we had enough staff in our offices um, in a kind of safe environment and COVID secure environment, if you like, to to enable them to continue our critical missions, whether we're working on life at immediate risk. Looking at my emails. Whether we're working on, not looking at your emails, Bruce, but thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, Whether we're working on... um, uh, protecting our military colleagues who are out in theatre so that all of that critical work and mission needed to continue right. we are a more dispersed workforce now than we were before we do have some some of our people working at home and it's really important that we give them the right security advice and guidance um, around how they handle material but it is a lower classification right one of the reasons we launched our cyber aware campaign at the start of the pandemic we actually brought the launch of that forward that campaign you can go go and read about that there's some really great tips for members of the public as to how they um, stay safe online well how, how would you describe the culture here i mean it seems like an incredible sort of purpose-driven job where you know well it seems immensely appealing from the outside how would you describe the culture so I would say you're absolutely right. We are we have a strong sense of purpose and it's all about um, keeping the country safe and that really connects our people um, and, and people have a real kind of sense of community spirit around that shared mission. Um, and I'd also say that, 
you know, everyone kind of wants to contribute to something bigger and wants to feel part of, you know, helping to keep the country safe. And we're a really values-driven organisation. So we've got some core values around integrity. And we've talked a bit before about how our our lawful framework and our ethics. Um, We've talked a bit about kind of uh, teamwork. So, you know, we're, we're... really good at kind of teamwork and collaborating and innovating together Um, and our our other values are all about ingenuity because we've always been renowned for our ingenuity and and innovation and then it's all about the mission in terms of what we've talked about the sense of purpose and impact must be quite exciting to be sort of trading in secrets has there ever been a secret that you found out and you've gasped (laughs) <laughs> I think I am surprised every day and excited by my job. Gosh, what's the best secret you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice, try, nice try, nice <laughs> try. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. So like, it sounds like, and, and so the vast majority of people, they're not based in Cheltenham or, or is there a mix? Cheltenham and Manchester. Right. But we've got a number of other locations in the UK and around the world. Do you hire people at different ages? Is it like, so, you know, I guess one of the things about diversity is that, you know, it's not just all of the sort of the instant things you reach for, but I guess age diversity in the people you're hiring as well. Absolutely. Really, really important. Right. And we've always had um, fantastic apprenticeship schemes, really good schemes to bring in um, students from university. But more and more, we're wanting to hire people, you know, mid-career. I came in myself um, in the middle of my career um, and I know your podcast is listened to mm. by a lot of kind of mid-career folk. Um, yeah, so we're always on the lookout for different skills and experience and knowledge that people can bring so, so we get that kind of mix of minds and perspectives. When you look at it, do you, do you anticipate, is it just constant change in a job like this in the sense that, you know, the constant threats, the constant things that you're on the lookout for, it's almost like the threat in five years will be something that we've not heard of now. Is that just baked into the the fabric of, of the job and the organisation? Absolutely. I mean, we, we've always um, prided ourselves on kind of being at the forefront of technology and and reimagining kind of our future because we have had to change and adapt. Um, and that's a big part of who we are as an organisation and, and one of our strengths. So how does it sit on things like that? Well, you've got, um, like QAnon, I'll give you a, one a big example, because there's someone on my timeline who shares some QAnon stuff and it's really cleverly disguised QAnon. But if you sort of, if you unpick it, QAnon is created by a crackpot uh, and it's sort of pretty clear crackpot, weaponized by the Russian GRU to an extent that will become clear, I think, after the US election. Um, but when you look at that, I mean, that's, how do you even begin to try to firstly control it, respond to it, interpret it? That seems like one of the threats that, you know, like you only need to search some of the QAnon hashtags. And uh, it's just like, how do you even begin to respond to what is an unpredictable and unexpected threat? And that's why we we need brilliant people working for us. Um, And we've got to get ahead of the curve on some of these emerging and new technologies. Um, And we've always managed to do that. And we've always been kind of quite understated. And a lot of things that maybe we've invented ourselves and then have been kind of publicly invented years later um, because we haven't been able to kind of talk about those. But we're always building new capabilities. um, And really, although technology 
is is such an important part of our organization it's actually the people the people are the real heart of our organization because without them we wouldn't be able to design and build the most amazing capabilities and partnerships more with my discussion on gchq after this today's episode is sponsored by yext answers does your website help people buy or make them bounce when someone searches and can't find the right answer they need they bounce all right usually over to a search engine that starts with a G. But over there, they get bombarded with ads, not the answers they need. The customer loses, your business loses. There has to be a better way. With Yext Answers, there is. Yext Answers offers a powerful search engine to your website so your customers get an official answer to every question. And that means they're more likely to buy. You can now try Yext Answers for free. Just go to yext.co.uk forward slash eat sleep. That's yext, Y-E-X-T, .co.uk forward slash eat sleep. Start giving your customers answers, not ads. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now back to my discussion with Joe Cavan, the director at GCHQ. I'm very intrigued. How long after me joining would I find out a really good secret? <laughs> I should think on day one. Oh, Bruce. come on! <laughs> because you would have had to go through all the vetting okay. and recruitment processes so you'd be ready to go on day one. Right. <laughs> but I wonder if you could give me sort of a sense of the scope of control what you actually cover what are the, what is the mandate what's the brief for the organization so we've got five key missions in gchq um so the first mission is counterterrorism. so that's all about um disrupting um threats uh, terrorist plots we've got a cybersecurity mission which is all about helping the uk to be the safest place to live and do business online um we support we have a serious crime mission which is all about protecting um the uk and our citizens from um serious crime threats. We provide support to defence and our military colleagues uh, in theatre and with war fighting. And our final mission, Strategic Advantage, is all about looking at threats from hostile states. And has COVID 
changed the way that we look at any of those things or has it, has it been a sort of disruption to the way that the organisation thinks? So it's a really good question. So in terms of our mission, we're constantly evolving and we've definitely um, been doing more work on health security uh, as a result of COVID and you might have heard it called biosecurity. Okay, what's um, this? So we've been doing work to support the NHS to make sure we're able to protect them from cyber attacks at this right. time. This is someone trying to steal that vaccine or stuff what is it we've been helping to protect the critical health sector and and research uh, sector from those types of attacks and we've been helping to um, make sure the NHS app track and trace app is is cyber secure so a whole range of um, different pieces of work that we've been doing in relation to bio and health security right okay so I guess and like you know they're good examples of things that at the start of this year you wouldn't have even known that that was in your plan so absolutely i i don't think we envisaged we would we'd be spending um so much time on on some of these areas do you think the world in this regard is does it have more threats now than it did i mean that was that's my sense now that you know state actors and it, it seems like there's more of these threats than ever before that's my perception but maybe that's just a recency bias so the threats are diversifying and if you look at you know us as an organization a hundred years ago we had a much narrower mission than today's mission so definitely the threats are diversifying and, and evolving as the world is kind of more digital it's more relevant and important for us to be helping to secure that digital infrastructure do you ever keep, think keep the uk safe do you ever think just close down the internet I mean, how much easier would the job be? That'd be a bit drastic, a bit of a drastic measure. Just I, think, I think we all like to use the internet as well. BBC One, BBC Two, a couple of other channels, that's your lot. Back to the good old days. Yeah. Mm, not so sure, not <laughs> no, so sure. Okay, it's just an idea. Blue skying it. Fabulous. If someone is interested, where, where would you even start to think about like looking at GCHQ as, as like a place to come and work? So we've got a website, so you can visit our website and we advertise our jobs. So, you know, it's not like the old days where you might get a tap on the shoulder and a secret whisper to come and join us. We run open job uh, recruitment and we have, you know, lots of outreach in schools and universities. So it's really easy to get in touch with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's a fascinating chat. I'm very envious about all these secrets that you know. My pleasure. Thank you, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you to my contact who set that interview up. What a brilliant and unique insight. I loved that. And it was uh, obviously uh, a fun interview as well. Very entertaining in places. If you did like this, thank you for listening. Really appreciate your company today. I've been Bruce Daisley. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.